Oh, stay with me, Ducky. Ask the questions quickly. <laughs> Welcome to the hot seat. This is the first episode, uh, a podcast format with today's guest, who is Adam Shanitsky, AKA the Bioneer. He is a creator here on YouTube, but he's also a published author. He does all sorts of training, including calisthenics, handstands, flexibility, all of that good stuff, and a hell of a lot more. And I'm looking forward to sitting down for a chat with him, but also to challenge him to a sauna and some cold water exposure. Let's jump into it. Adam, welcome. Hi. Thank you. We have already been talking for about 10 minutes, but this is the start. <laughs> Excellent, good to know. <laughs> the first episode of The Hot Seat, or I guess as it is today, The Not So Hot Seat, because it is currently about freezing. Um, we've been waiting about 30 minutes for the kettle to boil, to brew some coffee. Um, and, and Adam is wearing about six layers to to yeah. not be absolutely freezing. Including your jumper. Including Un my jumper. Underneath yes. my coats, my multiple coats. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Adam, thank you uh, for making the trip down here and joining us and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So your other name online is The Bioneer. That's right. Could you explain what that means and if that meaning has changed since you originally came up with the name? Oh, good question. Um, well... Yeah, so obviously it's a portmanteau of like biological and pioneer. Um, the idea being that I'm sort of, because I'd say more so than, than pure fitness, my channel's like human performance. That's what I really find interesting. Um, so I like researching it and writing about it and stuff. Yes. And the name was not actually, I didn't actually create that name. I used to have a different website called The Biomatrix. And like this is going oh, yeah. way back to, um, you know, me as, as a student at university. And it was terrible. Um, just FYI. <laughs> like, Don't go looking it for was, it. Yeah, I made it myself in HTML and it was, awesome. it was barely better than like a Geocity site um, and the content was extremely questionable. What, what were you talking about then? The same stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I had a forum on there for a time and then this guy um, suggested, I can't remember his real name unfortunately, but he, he went by the name Vampire2 <laughs> and uh, he suggested... Well, he just suggested to dis describe the, the people on the forum as the Bioneers, and I asked him if I could use the name. And oh, I, cool. I realized if I was ever going to take this seriously, I needed to rebrand from the Biomatrix because it was so awful. Um, so I relaunched it as the Bioneer. Um, so, yeah, it started as a website, actually, more so than a YouTube channel. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was like researching stuff. One thing I've always been a little bit dubious of with the name is that the association with biohacking, which yes. isn't necessarily a dirty word, but it definitely can be. So I There's just got some... Dirty people potentially in in the industry. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and some. Yeah, I mean, there's some biohacking practices. Uh, you could say anything's biohacking. You could say that the the amount of looking into and researching, you know, like posture and biomechanics you do to do a handstand could be considered yeah, like yeah. a type of biohacking. But then at the same time, there's well, yeah, I'm, people. I'm pretty sure cold exposure and yeah, yeah, exactly. That's biohacking. That, yeah. That's considered um, biohacking. We're, these we're doing days, it right so. now. But then there's also you know people taking all sorts of drugs which isn't necessarily a good idea or selling you stuff that I don't necessarily think works or hasn't been proven to work, which is fine even as long as you're honest and open about it and it doesn't cost a thousand pounds but it usually does so yes, yes. <laughs> yeah so I, I didn't want people to think that my site's about biohacking um yeah it's, my site's become a little bit more like fitness focused like mm -hmm. more direct fitness where i'm like teaching tutorials but i'm actually looking to try and get more, back more to this sort of more researchy and discussion side of things because yeah i consider myself more like a, a writer first and i i so I said to Hampton, actually, I think of my videos more like video essays, but they've sort of moved away from that slightly. But that's kind of like my no, trying to get back to that. Watching your videos, that's that's the impression I get. And to be honest with you, I think that you know is another way. It's a modern way of of writing an essay, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're just presenting it in a different format. Um, actually, this is a question I want to ask you later, but I may as well ask you now. You, 
Sure. You've written a couple of books. Yes, I have. S super functional training, right? Uh, yes. The latest one? So super functional training are my, is my ebook. I've got yes. super functional training and super functional training 2.0. Um, and then I've got um, print books with uh, Mango Publishing, which is functional training and beyond. And the new one's adaptive training. And then I actually wrote a book on programming and um, one on business as well for um, AppPress Media. So I've oh, awesome. <laughs> got a few books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what's the reason that you kind of wanted to write a book as opposed to just wanted to make more YouTube videos or write a, you know, what was the reason you chose that medium? Is there something you feel like you can communicate as well? Or? Yeah, definitely. I think, I say, I, I originally would, would say I was a writer. First, I was a copywriter before I started working for YouTube. Uh, you know, before I started making YouTube videos, that was my sort of, that's how I bootstrapped myself. Okay, cool. um, yeah, so, <clears throat> and I really enjoy writing. And yeah, you can just definitely get a lot more in into the weeds and a lot more in depth and sort of quote studies and things. Because a lot of what, I, what I'm talking about is more like, yeah, theoretical or hypothetical even that's what i find interesting and yes there's only so much you can go into in depth on a youtube video yeah or even a blog post when it gets to four thousand words <laughs> the number of people who are going to read that is starting to dwindle <laughs> yeah i guess that's the sort of the benefit of maybe more longer form stuff like we're doing now like a podcast you get to chat a little bit more but Definitely. i guess there's nothing like a book yeah to, yeah to and really spell it out it was like a personal thing as well i always wanted to write a book it was like one of my and you know, I had those self-published ones. Then I got the the books with Appress Media, the um, coding with Unity and um, and business. But then my goal was to write a fitness book because that was like my number one sort of interest. Which uh, now, then one day I'd quite like to write a fiction book. But we'll I really see if I yeah, I've, I've got some ideas knocking around. <laughs> That's cool. See if that ever happens. Um, you so you call yourself a binary. Uh I've also heard you use the term physical culturist. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you say is the difference between the two, or is just? Um... I, I guess physical physical culture, I think, can mean a lot of stuff. But I mean, typically, I tend to associate it with more, like, um, more of a historical aspect. You know, looking at like old time strongmen it doesn't have to mean that. Physical culture can just be a. Disc you can say that anyone who does any kind of fitness practice is, you know, part of physical culture. But it often is kind of used to refer um, to you know like the old time strongmen. Old time strongmen, big curly uh, mustaches. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I just find that kind of stuff. I like. You know, I don't know if it's even, uh, you know, how realistic it is even, but I like the idea of, like, looking back and finding old training methods that maybe we're not using anymore. Maybe they've got some ideas that could, you know, we can bring and use today. Like, I'm really interested in overcoming isometrics, which is a, a big part of, um, you know, old-time strongman training. Oh, thank you. you are. The, the coffee the that's been long-awaited. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that's true. I think I think one of the things that I find frustrating in the fitness industry is a lot of people try to rebrand something as their own. Um, you know, and try to reinvent the wheel a lot. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because you, you don't want to stop people from putting their own flair on things. Um, but I do think that a lot of things has been developed years and tried and tested. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything from old school strongman training that you use at the moment in your training that you, you know, think people should try or if they haven't exposed themselves to already? Definitely the, um, definitely the, the overcoming isometrics, although that is getting a lot more um, exposure lately. I've heard more and more people talking about it and using yeah. it in, in more like precise ways, like um, Daniel Vadnall was talking about using it for mobility and all sorts. Yep. yep. Um, but also... So do you maybe just quickly want to explain what an overcoming isometric probably, yeah, is, just in case idea. people... Yeah. <laughs> then you can visibly, visibly describe it as well as... Uh, yeah. Oh, audibly. okay. Yeah, because I'm on camera as well. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you have your um, yielding isometrics, which is isometrics, as you might know, you know, from... 
um, calisthenics. So if you're holding a handstand or something, that's a, well, handstand slightly less so. If you're holding like a plant or something, that's a yielding isometric because eventually you're fighting gravity and yes. you're not moving. So that's the isometric part. It's a static hold, yes. but eventually you're going to give up. Whereas overcoming isometric, you're not moving. But the reason is that you're pushing or pulling against a movable force. So, for example, if I was trying to push the... Uh, the sauna over here over that would be an overcoming isometric because it, it wouldn't move presumably mm. hopefully it's quite sturdy <laughs> well we actually performed some overcoming isometrics on our on our first night with the sauna we parked up in the lake district on on the edge of a very steep hill and the handbrake decided not to work ah, great so so tim and i were performing overcoming isometrics trying to stop the sauna rolling down the hill oh, wow. and we were trying as hard as we could and it wasn't going anywhere oh, nice that gives you the incentive <laughs> as well it certainly yeah. did yeah i've never had to try so hard yeah. uh, with a training um, okay, so that's cool. How what, what sort of exercises would they have used it in old school strongman? Um, how, how could somebody use that in the gym? Well, they've done. You can uh, attach. Also, Bruce Lee used to use overcoming isometrics, which I also okay. find quite interesting because he was obviously a guy with some cool performance. Uh, you could like um, attach a chain to a to the floor. I mean, in the gym, if you're looking at stuff you've got, then an obvious way is just to use pins in the in the, in the rack. rack to keep the the weight in place and then you can do a bench press that won't move or a squat that won't move you've got to be careful obviously you know if you're in a, you don't want to push too hard if you're at a mechanical disadvantage but you know with if, a bench you, press if your or, joints in a weird angle yeah or exactly and sure. yeah and you tend to hold it for about six seconds although you know people sort of vary on is that just one rep six seconds or is it yeah yeah you can do it yeah a few times well, i think bruce lee just did like three um sets so yeah of, of one so you don't of need to do rep, it. it's, it's basically like a it's basically like doing a one rep maximum because you're essentially trying to recruit all the muscle fibers and then they say as well that it only affects like 30 percent of the joint angle so 15 percent above where you are 15 percent below but again like that's you're not set in stone or necessarily i guess what it's what it's helping to do is what isometrics are are good for is creating that intramuscular coordination yeah it's the neural drive in particular so so yeah. is this something you could use like as a, a potentiation sort of technique? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, people use it like that. And you can also use it for a sticking point. If you've got like a, if you find that in the squat you're getting stuck at a particular level, then that's the level you you can focus on. Because obviously you, you're normally dealing with like the strength curve. You've got momentum to, to deal with. and But with this, you're giving you 100% effort for that whole six seconds at that one angle. Sure. So yeah, hopefully in theory, you're improving your ability to recruit uh, motor units. I'm just thinking about this in, in, in the context of bodyweight training. So, for example, say I'm training at home and I wanted to improve my handstand push-up, I could go, like, up to a doorway or something and yeah, try to yeah, press in as that's hard one as I can. Actually, that's one that people actually do, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it'd be easier for you because you're totally uh, yeah, to reach t- there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, the, the height would depend on the range that you're going to end up exactly. pushing in. But you could use a box or you could stand on or a chair as long as it doesn't break underneath <laughs> <laughs> you. you push really, really hard. Yeah. The goal should be to break the chair. Well, my chairs are pretty um, fragile and broke underneath. Um, so you spoke about obviously i've seen your bruce lee video but you've done a lot of videos uh to do like I think more recently kratos oh uh, yeah one punch man <laughs> batman oh, yeah, yeah. etc what's the reason that you feel inspired to talk about how this superhero trains is the story behind it is that something that inspires you or is it yeah i guess i guess it's just you know i, I suppose or a bit of fun yeah a bit of fun and it's kind of like um the extreme version of you know trying to find new ways to perform and things and i just love the idea that you could you know tap into this form of training and obviously it's a flight of fancy but it's i find it a bit motivating and inspirational that you could tap into this kind of training then just be able to jump higher than you know you, you previously could or run faster and <laughs> <laughs> it's the you know, visuals but yeah and obviously it's the story behind it as opposed to yeah and yeah and the kind of the say the kind of cinematic quality of it and <laughs> things like that 
<laughs> You've been chosen as designated stick thrower. I have. I've been throwing the stick. Um, for those of you who are not watching on the video, it's Dog Molly is... <laughs> She's very <laughs> persistent. It's very persistent. <laughs> She's yeah. pushing the stick underneath my foot, which... <laughs> so you talked a lot about motivation with training in regards to gamification. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a so I know this is not the same as... You know, if, maybe you might be inspired to train if you're training like Batman or yes. One Punch Man. But I guess another option would be gamification. Yeah. How would how would one go about implementing gamification? Well, yeah. In 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 the recent video I was talking about, because there's, there's, there's lots of ways. Obviously, again, to explain the term, game, gamification just means turning what you're doing into a game, so that you know, a form of training, for example, that might normally be quite dull, could become actually a lot more enjoyable. Um, that could mean something as simple as like trying to beat your PR, but if you're tidying a room, it could mean throwing the rubbish into the trash can and that kind of thing. Um, but I also think gamification it's, um, can mean just making the activity more um, cognitively engaging because you know, in game design in particular, there's a lot of like thought that goes into how you make a game sort of hold someone's attention. And it's, it's actually the same thing as, as learning. You th people tend to think of learning as boring because they associate it with being in a classroom. But yeah, yeah. when you're stimulating your brain with something new and you're... I think the primary example of that is when you look online and you look how many like educational content videos are on YouTube. Yeah, for And like, sure. how popular that sort of content is. Like Obviously, people out there, when you want to learn about something you really care about. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, learning's only boring if you're not interested in it and if it's taught in a bad way. But even like you know physical learning in particular, I think it's like a lot of what our brain's hardwired to do. And when you're playing a computer game, if it's well designed, you're actually learning the whole time. You know, when you're when your muscle well, you're learning how to play the yeah, game, right? Yeah, exactly. When your muscle memory improves and you go from like Super Meat Boy where, <laughs> you know, the first level is impossible and then by the end you're pulling off these stunts that like, I mean, the, the brain plasticity, like, you know, the changes in your brain to accomplish that, are actually, it's actually amazing. And I think it's, computer games are so good for you. And I think if you can bring some of that into training, then you can not only in get- In a physical way. Yeah, exactly. You can not only get cognitive benefits from the training additionally, but you can also make the training so much more engaging that you that you find yourself compelled to do it rather than like and I find that you probably find the same like calisthenics is perfect for that because you get the immediate feedback loop of trying to balance and I would uh, I would say handstands in particular handstands in probably particular. is quite in, in a sense gamified but I don't know if gamification is the word that I would use um, no that's, but yeah. maybe maybe it is I like I feel there's there's definitely an addictive aspect to it like if you want to try and do a particular thing and then you just you know it's like it's like trying to complete a level of a video game yeah, right that's it. I want to do a certain movement so i'm going to just keep going and going and going and i might spend an hour just trying to put together one sequence or do one thing that's it yeah and i think if you can if you can find a form of training that feels like that for you then you're cognitively engaged as well as you know just um, physically engaged instead of just standing on the spot curling over and over and that's why i also like to inject a lot of variety into my training and i think find things like trail running is really similar because with trail running that that way it's not so much the um the learning the motor pattern as much but now you're like coming across novel oh you're having to dart around yeah, obstacles yeah yeah, and yeah dart around obstacles oh, your feet are adapting to changes in the in the terrain and i mean it's just so much more you know multiplanar and three-dimensional and you have to pay attention i think if you can completely drift off in your training and i'm not i'm not saying that that's like a, a terrible thing and like i think there's a time and place for brainless training but if you're someone who struggles to engage with your training like rock climbing is fantastic the same reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my voice is cutting in and out. I'm bending over to throw the stick for Molly. <laughs> so, okay. I really like the example that you gave of like trail running as a gamification version of going for running because I hate running. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the last thing that I would want to do as exercise. Um, and I know you've, you, I say you've written an essay, you've wrote, a, you created a video yes. in which you kind of, you said why running is great. Yeah. So I have a proposition that you need to convince me 
that I that I should start running? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and how would you do so? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it can improve your cardio, but it's also about the you know improving your biomechanics. And if you focus on sort of relaxing the body, not tensing up, um, you know, you, you improve your, your gait for not only running, but for everything. It's great for recovery because you're getting blood around your body. Mm. And I think, because I also um, was reluctant to run, and I don't run super regularly. Um, oh, I'm not supposed to do this, am I? <laughs> you can try, it's fine. <laughs> in, the, in the video, I, I said as well, once a week is enough. And I think that's a common misconception with it because a lot of people, I found what inspired me to make that video is I was on forums and they were like, you know, is running once a week enough? And, and the comments were like, you know, no, you're never going to improve. Like, what's even the point? And they were quite sort of demeaning. I'm sure surely something is better than nothing. Exactly. And and this only makes, like, they might be right if you want to become a great runner, but not everyone who runs wants to become a great runner. And that's like one of the messages, I think, of, of my channel, I hope, is that it's worth doing, even if you're not aiming to become the best at it. And just injecting a little bit of running into your training just makes you a more well-rounded athlete it can help with your recovery say posture i often find that if i have had an injury then running is often what like fixes it for me and i i, I made the switch between like trying to run sort of and beat my time all the time versus you know just going out for a gentle run and exploring and i, I don't set any waypoint or route i just go and okay. i found so many cool places in my area like some of the places i film i only found them because i just went randomly running um, oh, nice. or i'll drive up to a place and go running and exploring and it's, it's great because you're you're exploring these areas you're getting the the fitness in as well as a bonus and sometimes you can stop and do some pull-ups on a tree branch and so none of this stuff is like you're not going to become an amazing runner by doing this once a week necessarily, but you'll be better than you were. You'll build that cardiac capacity. And, yeah, and, exactly. And, and and I mean, you know as well, if you if you don't train that frequently, you can make some progress on, on anything for, if you're doing it once a week. Like a lot of people say you can't, but like take going to martial arts as a kid if you went ever went to a martial arts yeah, class you once one, a week. One lesson yeah. or something a week. Yeah, I mean, my karate actually maybe go two, so it's a bad example. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you can go once a week and you can improve. And even if you're not physically changing as much, you're, you're laying down those those neural pathways and motor patterns. So I think there's always a point, and I just, yeah, it kind of bothered me when I found online people saying, like, you know, you might as well not bother if you're just going to do it once a week. And I'm like, well, maybe their goals are different from you. And yeah, yeah, there's definitely benefit to going once a week. Yeah, I think you shouldn't discourage something. Like, sometimes people only have time to do something once yeah, a week, yeah. you know. You obviously sure. um, somebody of a couple of kids, and yeah, you certainly understand the the time limitations that that some people might have. But also, if you are running once a week and you're doing calisthenics once a week, then then they combine. They might be they might be very different, but both of them have an aspect of of sure. cardio involved. You know, if you're doing lots of reps of anything, then you're going to be getting your heart rate up, and so you've done it now twice a week, even though you've only run once a week. Um. So you. I know that you like doing a little bit of everything. Yes. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. Yes. What do you make of that quote? I, I think that that's like, I don't take, apparently, um, they, the, the full quote is that is oftentimes better than a master of one. Is that, I can't remember. Okay. The, yeah. So. I, I, I've seen similar. Uh, yeah. I've seen people, I, I, I'm not advocating for either. Mm. Um, but I do think like the general sentiment is right. But I think obviously if it depends... A personal example was uh, training one arm handstand. Yeah, for sure. So I was trying to do that as well at the same time as working on sort of handstand push up, planche, and, and some other calisthenic strength based sort of movements. And I really didn't see much progress. It was only when I dropped everything else down to like a basement. And yeah. I was doing like one strength session a week, which was everything. And then the rest of my training was one arm handstand. Yeah. And that was really like for me the only way that I was able to achieve that movement. So it kind of required that sacrifice. Um, 
but I guess is it is it just like you're not too bothered about doing the outrageous outrageous stuff yeah there's there's an element of both because first of all again it's like horses for courses and I don't like take <laughs> diminish anyone who says you know anyone's achievement like I think it's like I would yeah definitely. I've got great admiration for somebody who's prepared to drop everything and dedicate themselves oh, yeah, to one day same and I think being able to do a one handed handstand is incredible by the way I told my, <laughs> my daughter before I came she's like wow and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I mean I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to do that and uh, maybe one day, but I'm not. <laughs> no, wouldn't um, do you know what? It. If I had to do it again, I'm not entirely sh- like. Obviously, I've done it. I'm very happy that I've achieved it. But if I had to like relearn the skill, yeah, I don't. It, w- it was quite a lot of sacrifice for my other training, and it did oh. take like two and a bit years. That's quite interesting. So I, I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe because I've done it already, I wouldn't want to redo it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I see what you mean. It was really. I really enjoyed it at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and there's definitely say there's definitely um, benefit to doing both. And obviously, if you want to become a pro athlete or something, or if that's just like your passion, but I I also think like I'm quite okay with accepting that I'm not going to be the best at anything. And um, I, I it's it's what I enjoy. I enjoy a also yeah, it's weird because on the one hand, you can be quite competitive and so you want to be the very best in your field, but you can also be quite competitive and so you don't want to be awful at anything if you see what i mean like yes yeah, i yeah. see you doing that i'm like oh i want to be able to do a handstand and then i see mm. someone else running like you know a, a really good mile time I'm like oh, i want to be <laughs> i need to do that also and i like, <laughs> feel like i need to be able to do all the things that's just a different um form of over competitiveness yeah but, i guess so is there yeah. a way that you manage that do you do you like maybe for a few months you might focus on one thing more than another do you, do you pay yeah. attention and try to get yeah, that's, that's it. You don't necessarily need to um, always be completely scattershot. You can, like, I find a lot of stuff you, you hold on to more than you think you're going to, particularly, like, hypertrophy. As long as you're going a few times a week, you tend to, well, I, I tend to maintain okay, like, even if I'm focusing on other stuff. But I also think that for a lot of people, they never even really consider that it's okay to not not tunnel vision on one thing and that's why again i'm trying to like bring awareness to the idea that it is okay to be mediocre at calisthenics <laughs> and mediocre at <laughs> long distance running and mediocre at powerlifting you know and that's a sort of that's an option too and i think a lot of people would actually benefit from that because especially you know if you get to the point where where you're massively hulkingly strong but you've got zero cardio for and you're out of breath going up the stairs then i'd argue again fine if you want to be a powerlifter and that's your thing but for a lot of people that's possibly not the healthiest and i think to me on the whole humans are all-rounders and, and yeah we're jacks. adaptive right yeah i think i think we're not we're not a specialist at, at anything yeah exactly i mean yeah, some people argue that we're, we're we're designed to track down prey over long distances and that we're actually cardio should be our, our deal one. but um but yeah i i think you know, a lot of our ability to thrive has come from our sort of adaptability and mixed modality-ness <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a great message as well i, I like even personally, like I'll watch you know stuff on social media and like the one the level of what people can do these days is crazy. Yeah, but it's I, coming from you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm by no means strong or talented. I don't like I, I'm okay at some stuff, but like when I actually you know what I can do, I guess when I first started getting into casting, I was like that was my end goal, and I was like that'd be really yeah. cool. That was the that was the level that people were at, but now. I know, the, yeah, the level people is at crazy like, levels. You know, one finger, full planche. I know, I yeah, those like, finger planches are nuts, aren't they? I, d- I don't understand yeah. how that's even physically possible. I mean, I think there's a little bit of genetic, like, things. Get, not, not, not to, again, diminish it, but I think some of them are quite light. Um, Obviously, and, <laughs> and gravity works different in Eastern Europe. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah. Slow so gravity we got, we got extra heavy gravity here. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, I'd, 
Yeah, but I mean, I say I look at you and I'm like, you know, I sh- shouldn't be showing my handstands on YouTube because <laughs> like, you've, you've seen the shoulder range of motion and my, my arched back. But then other people comment on my video and be like, oh, man, I wish I could do that stuff. And I'm like, you know, oh, well, don't go and check out anyone else's channels because then <laughs> you, <laughs> you won't want to come to mine anymore. <laughs> but I think I think that um, actually it's almost more valuable because somebody who's either very genetically gifted, which, would, you know, certainly is a factor. Yes, it, yeah, it is, yeah. Like, would, you know, to say, oh, everyone's capable of doing something is kind of a lie at the end of the day. Um, sadly, we're yeah. not all going to be ridiculous freaks. I'm not going to, I'm like, I'm pretty, uh, I'm not going to be able to full planche because I'm yeah, like six foot four yeah. and weigh 90 odd kilos. I, mean, I would, what you've already accomplished. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. That's, I mean, yeah. So, but um, I think I think it's more helpful to people to be able to see somebody who is just a bit above them. Because yeah. I think you don't understand the struggle necessarily. If, you, if you've if you just come to something quite naturally and you got to a very high level, you don't appreciate actually how hard it is as a beginner yeah, to yeah, just figure out sure. the, the basic things. Yeah. It's very easy to overlook that. So I think if you, if you have your, and certainly like yourself with so many fingers and so many pies, you yeah. get a good appreciation for a very, very wide range of, of training. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to communicate though as well because I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I'm showing a perfect handstand. But at the same time, you don't want to put text over the top of every time you do a handstand, going like, "This is this is crap." So. Well, this is the yeah 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 yeah. Sorry, my handstand. Yeah. So sometimes I say it, but you don't want to say it every time. Yeah, well, this is the thing though. Like, does it matter? Like, what's a handstand? A handstand's being able to stand on your hands. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how it looks. This is like a, an arbitrary sort of thing that people have decided because it looks aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Well, the old time strongman apparently they they did use banana handstands. Oh, I love so. I love seeing some of the old old time stuff because it didn't. Yeah. Ma- I guess it didn't really matter. It was more about the feet of the thing you were doing yeah, rather exactly. than how it looked. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great in the way that we've progressed so far but it does also yeah again really raise the standard and you hold yourself to pretty high standards if you compare yourself <laughs> to instagram <laughs> <laughs> this is true this is true maybe it's maybe it's best not to compare um if you were to drop your i can do everything a bit of everything attitude if it was a one is a one thing that you'd like to really focus in on um I, I would I would struggle to drop any of it because of my nature, but I think if I was, probably calisthenics would be my my favourite, and not even necessarily you know the advanced skills, but just I'd say it's my I'd say the bulk of my training is some kind of like weird hybrid of calisthenics and bodybuilding, yes. um, with a tiny bit of powerlifting and some running and kettlebells. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a list starts yeah, getting yeah, a lot longer. I, I started off doing push-ups and pull-ups in my room, and I still do think. In terms of the superhuman aspect, you know, trying to look and feel superhuman and you know, being sort of finding that all really appealing. I think f- few things can beat a planche. Like, yeah, if I was going to f- focus all in on one thing, it would probably be trying to learn those skills. I'm definitely, I want to put more focus on the handstand. I also think it's such a great journey because you learn so much about your body by trying to do it. Like, you can't, you can't just brute force a handstand as I've learned <laughs> time and time again. You need the, the mobility, the body control. I think it's a and it, and one of the reasons I personally think handstands a great one is that it's very accessible. I think a large proportion of the population yes. can get a good way into doing a handstand, and it's something you can take everywhere. Mm. You know, you only need a floor, ideally a level yeah, floor. That's a huge but bonus as well. Yeah, like if you're traveling, handstands a good shoulder workout or good. I mean, certainly if you get more advanced, it becomes almost like a good full um, upper body workout. So. Yeah, as you get as you get better because i've i've recently become a bit better at balancing the handstand in the lower portions and i can do more sort of like um 
you know, angled handstands. <laughs> I've seen you been doing like bent arm planche and stuff. Yeah, I've always actually been all right with the bent arm planche, and I sort of forgot to do it. And then when I did it on that video, everyone was like, "Oh wow!" So yeah, I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty damn that's, strong. That's one I can do. So maybe I should do that more." <laughs> but um, yeah, when you can do those things, you sort of open up so many options just for training, and you don't even need to be doing anything specific. You can just sort of like wobble around down there, and it's. <laughs> I think there's like playful gamification. Yeah, yeah. Talks about aspects <laughs> yeah, I immediately lose any focus and start like <laughs> wobbling around <laughs> down there. <laughs> I wonder why I haven't made more progress in my handstand. <laughs> Um, I want to talk to you about flexibility. Uh, yes. Is that something that you prioritize or think about in your training? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, I'm not great at it, but it's something that I, I 100% advocate. So, um, yeah, my, I, I definitely need to work on my shoulder mobility and my back mobility. I can do a, a deep squat pretty good for a long time. Um, and a Cossack squat when it's probably a little bit warmer. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and I, I, I 100%. I... I think I said in, in some other video that a lot of people, there's this um, notion that strength is the foundation of all performance, especially among powerlifters. And if you only did one thing, it should be strength and then everything else would instantly be better. I actually think maybe most people could benefit from more mobility. And I, I definitely, because yeah, I, I say I did a lot more sort of um, closed chain, basic calisthenics combined with bodybuilding for a long time. It's like my fitness diet. And that's one of the things that sort of, because I didn't start off actually so much talking about the functional training it's actually been more it's evolved in the last couple of years and part of it's like my journey of trying to like undo some of the, the some things of the, that you yeah. messed up along because yeah I, I was pretty strong and i could bench press um double body weight at one point which was like an, an achievement but at the same That's damn strong you know, over, i'd be happy to squat double body weight so it was in my bench, bench press, press it was way better than my squat <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> was, yeah you're already a, a true calisthenics athlete at yeah yeah <laughs> well, exactly um yeah I, I did used to yeah i did a few things wrong i was really into fitness but um sort of just from what i picked up on the way and mobility is something that suffered i did a lot so i say i was a copywriter and i used to write like 10 to 10 to one time i wrote thirty thousand words in one day so i sat in the oh, chair a lot and yeah definitely i couldn't i couldn't um do a deep squat a couple of years ago like and I, when i sort of realized that i was like you're trying to be like this superhuman performer and you can't like do this basic thing that you should be able to do like that was um, eye-opening, and yeah, I realised that my handstand would probably be a lot better if I had better shoulder mobility. Sure. So I've been doing a lot more hangs, which is yeah, one yeah. of my more popular video, and um, yeah, trying to uh, do some of the like shoulder opener exercises that I learned from your videos, but um, easing into them because uh, I've had, I, I haven't actually ever injured my shoulder, but I felt like I could, so <laughs> taking it slow. <laughs> yeah, and especially if like if you're already strong and you mm. go to a point when you you have like the strength or the capacity to create that force and you access a new range of motion i always think that's you know as you said about if you start with flexibility and you build that range yeah at the same time as building strength i think it's always it's probably less chance that you're gonna yeah. have those issues yeah there's a lot to be said for you know um strength training with a with a big range of motion you know like you know like jefferson curls and you know, yeah yeah so i was gonna ask you like how does the flexibility training look within your own practice it's a combination of that plus also a little bit of stretching mm -hmm. and yeah so i I'll tend to do, I'll pick a few moves that are good for that kind of thing. I've been doing them, um, you know, some seated good mornings and stuff lately. And then at the end, I'll tend to do just a few sort of static stretches as well. But I also try and stretch more throughout the day because I, I like to sort of try and stay active during the day, not only during my training. So I think that makes a bit of a difference as well. Is if, if, so I mean, ultimately, like, I guess, you know, although we are both people who create content around fitness culture. Yeah. We are physical culturists yes, on, the, yes. on the internet. Um, is there something... We, we spend the whole day basically at a computer, arguably. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, so is there anything ironic. that you use or that you would recommend to people who are maybe desk workers or 
you know work at home or whatever and, and want to have some bite-sized sort of flexibility or stretching or movement throughout the day what would you kind of recommend to people well i mean it's something i haven't used myself but i'm looking into getting a floor desk which is um a floor desk yeah you know just so like so you, you know, can a, a low desk so you're sitting on the floor I similar think. to the makeshift podcast table yeah exactly yeah so I, I think i saw you know strength side do a video on that and it's it's a great idea and and um liam ellis who's on my channel sometimes he's gotten rid of all his furniture so he's like Has he? he's hardcore oh i love um, that but yeah just sitting on the floor obviously forces you to keep moving position and you can get into a stretch and w work like that but i haven't gone that far but I do. I a, some, you can have just a coffee table, and yeah, and that would do the job. I think also just just moving a lot, like from place to place. It's one of the reasons I like to work in coffee shops because I'll work on a, a table and I'll work on a sofa. I've got an office, um, but I actually really like working in coffee shops, partly <laughs> for that reason. But also in my office, I've got all these like I've got a bench and dip bars and um, a pull-up bar. I can't remember who makes them. One of those dip bars that goes really high, so you can use it for pull-ups. Um, okay. Oh, uh, base box. base box. That's it. Yeah, yes. I just got that. Um, so, yeah, so like I can take a break from my work and just do something like that or wobble board or even just a bit of juggling um, just, just to kind of keep moving. So really it's just anything? Yeah, just just get up every every couple of minutes. and Well, not a couple of minutes. You're not going to get any work done. <laughs> I actually get really deep into my work. But, you know, if you're getting up to go to the toilet anyways, then, then stop by the dip bar and do some dips. And, you know, you're, you're also greasing the groove that way. And, yes. Yeah. I used to just leave a door frame pull-up bar um, in the hallway. And any time I walked underneath it, I yeah. do something, either yeah. a pull up or a hang or it's something a like that. Classic one, that one. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, you know, bad to think about it. Yeah. So you just sort of, yeah, not getting all stiff because you sort of like, you you lose the the connection with the muscle as well, even even so that you start moving in awkward ways. Yes. I mean, is that is that like a, a less obvious way that you know you say your leg falls asleep if you're sat too long? Is it, is it kind of? Yeah, I guess maybe. Well, I mean, I think that's often like blood supply, isn't it? Because you're yeah, sitting yeah. on it wrong, but <laughs> yeah, to, to some extent. Yeah, it's kind of a extreme version of that. Right. Use it or lose it, I guess. Yeah. Um, one of the last things I want to chat ask you about is you've recently had your second child. I say recently in yes, the last uh, year or so. Yeah. Um, has a father changed your mindset when it comes to fitness and training? Uh, oh, that, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, definitely in, in a couple of ways. Uh, one is obviously it makes you more empathetic to you know a variety of situations, and particularly you know being a parent, you don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, you don't know till you've till you've done it. But it, there is definitely an element of that. And so, no, I, I mean, I fully understand that. <laughs> I, I don't understand how anyone gets anything done when they've got a couple I, of small kids. I mean, I used to think like. Can it really be that? It's just the fact that when you come home, like they want to play with you the entire time, and then they wake up to it. So you can't. You can have the busiest day at work, but at least normally you can go home and then just sit on the couch, <laughs> and that there just isn't an option. And then when they're in bed, you've got the chores to do, and then they wake up in the night. So it's it's just constant, and you, yeah, recovery becomes a far more strategic thing because, <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you recover under those circumstances? But also, yeah. kind of toning back slightly, um, just to you know not not go all out to the point of them so i guess uh, as has the you know bite size sort of fitness has that helped you to keep up your yeah. general amount that you're you're doing and and i guess it's more recoverable because you're not doing a big session yeah. on a day 100 percent. yeah i think a lot of, some people to me were like you know what, what you've suggested here is um you know not practical for me because i work a desk job etc which is fair enough but for some other people i know this is all that's pra it's more practical you know so it's what what works for you i think there's health benefits to training throughout the day but it's also it's a very good way of fitting it in around certain circumstances and uh yeah that, that's definitely one of them that that's one way i kind of kept it up going but at the same time um you know now my circumstances are changing again a little bit and 
sort of I'm doing more of a block of training, but it's, yeah, you've got to be constantly adaptable. And that's something else. You need to make sure that your training is adaptable enough to, like, you know, work I guess around. I guess if you're at the park with your kids or something, you could yeah. you could do some pull-ups or do I, something. I do, yeah, I do. Oh, I love that. Like the monkey cool. bars and stuff. And, <laughs> and my daughter gets all involved. Oh, great. Um, yeah, she loves it as well. Um, um, that's actually, it brings on something. So I've thought about this quite a bit. Like, you know, physical fitness is an important aspect to myself. Um, and I'm sure to you, like, how, how do you think about introducing that to your kids? Yeah. Because obviously you don't want to go around, you don't want to go about it in a, in a uh, strict way where you're like, oh, you need to do your sets of reps sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, have you thought about how you might introduce it to them? Like, how old they might be? Et yeah. Cetera, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, I, I don't want to, like, be that dad who's, like, you know, trying to enforce my hobbies and interests on my kids and then they hate them as a result or, you know, or even love them, but it didn't come from them sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm just like, do it around the house and, and let them see and if they're interested. And But my, my daughter's, she seems to be like me because I was like really inspired by any kind of movement on TV. Like if I'd watched a Jackie Chan film, then I'd be jumping off the sofa and stuff. And <laughs> she literally did the same thing. I, I showed her a clip of Jackie Chan and then she started jumping off the sofa. <laughs> so she's got my DNA there, I think. Um, but yeah, so it's that. And I think, I don't think you can be too young. I think obviously it depends on what you're doing, but I, I want to take my daughter to, I think, uh, gym juniors, which is like a gym, gymnastics class. Um, I think for little kids, any time that I've coached somebody or seen somebody, I'm like, did you do gymnastics before? And then automatically that's, that's a cheat code. Yeah. Like you're starting six months, a year in advance of anyone else who didn't do that. Like <laughs> the same thing. You just, you're naturally just a great athlete because you build that body awareness. Yeah. And, and you, it's, it's also just like maintaining stuff that they've got naturally. Like she's doing, um, you know, arm dislocates and fantastic squats and things like all with perfect form because like she hasn't been sitting there. Yeah, the way a kid squats, like it, it opens your eyes to the, the fact that that's what you're supposed to be able to do. And say uh, she's got much more shoulder flexibility than I do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm without a doubt. And she does uh, yoga as well on the on YouTube. She does like frozen yoga. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, like a kids yoga, Sonic sort of thing. yoga. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, if anything, I sort of, she's really taken to all, all my interests, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm not forcing it on her. But she seems to have a real natural interest. I guess that, so. What you're saying is basically just be the, be the example. Yeah, just let them see it in the distance, and if they're interested, because yeah, give them um, the invitation. I'm not one of those people that's like sort of hardline with fitness either. If she wasn't interested in it, obviously I want her to be healthy, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a big hobby or anything. But I guess as long as the option's there, um, I think my wife's quite interested in her starting a dance class at some point, and I'd be well up for that as well. I think it's great for you. So. Are you going to join in? Um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm up for it. I think it's going to be like ballet, but I mean, I, I, I can try ballet, I guess. I think ballet can be pretty good for you, actually. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean... Certainly, that would be something massively outside of my own comfort zone. But I, I do see the benefit of doing, you know, dance. There's a lot of, a lot of certainly the movement culture, the locomotion side of things. Like, there's a, there's a big, you know, where is where does dance stop and where does that sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Begin? Yeah, and if you watch, like, um, I watched Strictly with my wife, and oh yeah, I didn't watch it this year because of the young young I think boy. No, Wilson's in it this year. Is yeah. he, no, no, he's on Dancing on Ice. Sorry, not Strictly. Who's, who's that? Uh, now Wilson, gymnast. Oh right, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, ex Olympic gymnast. Yeah. He has obviously a big YouTube channel as well, yeah. and he's actually retired now. He's, he's a fascinating character he's sort of talked a lot about the mental side of things as well from like you know becoming a yeah, professional and, and athlete and retiring at such a young age but yeah he's wow. on he's on dancing ice it'll be interesting to see I've seen, I've, i think there's been one or two um um gymnasts on strictly and 
Yeah, it's interesting as well seeing how different sports translate to dance, actually. Yes. Footballers, they say, don't tend to do that well. And I guess it's because they're moving in quite, I guess, a linear plane. And yeah, it's really interesting. But yeah, I think all that stuff is really good. So again, it's fitness that doesn't necessarily feel or look like fitness. Yes. It's a, a way of making it fun for kids and just keeping them active and using their bodies. Like I did martial arts as a kid. Um, all, all really helps. Cool. Um, on that note, I think... We're both getting quite chilly. <laughs> <So cold. laughs> yes. I started. I thought I had it under wraps at the start, but now I'm like. <laughs> um, I think it's about time that we get hot. Yeah, let's and, do it. Uh, ask you some some more questions. Yeah, let's get hot. <laughs> <laughs> Ready for the hot seat? Very much so. <laughs> yes. After you. Thank you. So yeah, I've got a few hot takes that I want to ask you. <laughs> I say pick up the pun, but it's, it's, it's intended. What is one thing that most people are missing within their practice? So like uh, physical training wise? I'd... I would say so, yeah, mostly physical training. I think like a really big one is, is that I talk about a lot is um, just rotational strength and yes. moving in the transverse plane because so much of what we do on day-to-day basis is in the transverse plane and yet when most people go to the gym you do extremely the bench press or yeah squat yeah everything in the central plane um yeah frontal plane as well but i think you can almost get away with that a bit better because you know moving sideways obviously really good for flexibility in the hips in particular but yeah yeah transverse strength is just so overlooked if there's one piece of training equipment that you could have everyone use yeah. or you think is worthwhile everyone is having yeah. What would that be? Wait, that's a hard one because there's, yeah, there's. I understand there's so many. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's one. But, well, I, I think for me, like dip bars, and you could probably agree, are extremely valuable because dips are, are an amazing way to train the upper body, but also for body weight rows, uh, really useful for that. And obviously, you can use them in a host of other ways for like mobility work and stuff as well. And to cheat and say another one, kettle, a kettlebell can mm. go an awful long way. Because with a kettlebell, you can mimic a lot of the same movements you might do with a barbell. But a lot of people don't have the space um, for a barbell because you, know, you can't really do Olympic lifts in your living room. No, you, no, no. You can do a kettlebell clean and snatch or whatever. What's the biggest mistake that people make with their nutrition? With nutrition? Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I would say just being too strict, um, which sounds like a cop-out answer, but it's so... Like you need to, I always think if you're going to do anything, especially with nutrition, you need to do it for the long term. And sure. you know, if you're, it's great to write the perfect diet, but if you don't stick to it, and I think that goes hand in hand with having like really high expectations because you know, a lot of people want sub 10% body fat in particular. And I made a video saying, I don't think that's necessarily, I definitely don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Actually, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and we were talking a little bit about this and he, he brought up. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, and it's because I said, like, you know, so we're talking about diet. And I was like, I just, you know, I just don't eat these things because it's not an option for me. Yeah. I've decided that I take the choice out of it. So I'm like, yeah. I just don't eat these things. Yeah. And he was saying, that's how Michael Jordan trained. Michael Jordan just took the attitude that, like, he just trains. Yeah. There's no, you know, he might not feel like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did, that's what he does. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Um, and I almost think that, like, yes, you, you don't want to be too strict. But if you just have some simple rules, there's a lot of ways that you can work around. Yeah, absolutely. Things. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I do it. Just a, a couple of, of clear rules. That's how I do my training. As lately, it's been always go to the gym. It doesn't matter if all you do is like two minutes mm-hmm. of stretching. Like you you go to the gym because yeah, like you say, take yes. decision making. You're not like, and then you you know you're not making an excuse because you're going anyways. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. doing something. Yes, and then going back to our earlier conversation, like something is better than nothing. And a lot of people end up and they're like, they're not. They don't feel like they're doing the perfect thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Then, then they won't do them. Yeah. And I think with diet in particular, that can be a bit of a problem. And diet, uh, your nutrition is so like social as well and emotional and like to completely... Yeah, what do you do if you go out for a meal? And yeah, exactly. You're, oh, I've got sticks in this really yeah. obscure... And actually it's a bummer for other people and obviously you shouldn't base your diet on that. But if, if I never had a box of chocolates, like my wife would just be eating them on her own on the sofa. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's actually like a nice thing that we do, like, you know, have a, have a chocolate. And I don't think that... That, yeah, that one little extra calorie, and yeah, it's processed and it's sugar, but it's not going to completely derail my whole diet. Maybe if we're looking at it from a perspective of like the, the week. Yeah. You know, that's like a percentage of your weekly calories yeah, or it's, something. It's not, not that bad at all. And that helps you to then stick to, you know, your healthier things. I tend to uh, make my breakfast and lunch a bit stricter and, and more um, just routine. And then that way I have a bit more flexibility in the evening. Yeah. Certainly in terms of calories. Um, yeah. And just sort of change yeah. for... Um, whole foods where possible but again I don't beat myself up if I can't do it yeah yeah cool love it thanks for that you're welcome <laughs> I think that's it for the hot takes and okay, then cool. we'll go in and Good. see how many questions you can answer Good. are these like rapid fire rounds am I allowed to yeah, give the shortest possible you can give the shortest possible answer it's, <laughs> it's the most questions in the shortest time okay okay oh cool I like this, this format <laughs> <laughs> we are extremes how can I do the worst thing imaginable? <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh. stay with me. <laughs> Ask the questions quickly. <laughs> Any advice for actually enjoying exercise seems a relevant one. Uh, yeah, um, I would say try lots of new things, keep experimenting and don't focus too much on really difficult goals. Okay, I love it. What's your squat, bench and deadlift 1RM? Uh, I don't really know my squat and my deadlift, but my bench at the moment I think is about 140k. <laughs> <laughs> I can bench a lot more than I can squat or deadlift, so it's probably not that much different. What's your minimum effective dose when it comes to lack of time for both strength and mobility? Oh, I would say you can get a lot done in 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day and just keep it consistent? Yeah, and... obviously effective within, you know, limits. Yes. How to put on muscle with calisthenics? I'm an exomorph, so building muscle is difficult. I think stick with closed chain exercises predominantly and do high rep ranges, you'd be surprised. Try and flood the muscles with blood. Yeah? Yeah, giant feel sets. the burn. Yeah, giant sets, drop sets, intensity techniques taken from bodybuilding. Cool, love it, mechanical advantage. Mechanical drop sets, absolutely. How tall are you? Uh, I'm five foot eight inches. I'm glad you asked that because everyone thinks I'm five foot four. <laughs> Right, I think we're getting close to the end of the question. Yeah. How to find a balance between fun random workouts and a structured plan? Um, I would say a couple of goals. <laughs> My brain is <laughs> failing me now. Um, yeah, a couple of goals. Also, feel the, feel the effort, because as long as you feel the effort, then you're getting work done. It doesn't really matter so much if you're increasing a you know, set amount each time. Yeah, make it hard. Yeah, make it hard, okay. and then you will progress, as long as you're returning to the same muscle groups and so, movement patterns. I think to finish things up, we need to do a full head down. Yeah, I know. And then we go. Okay, let's Ready? do it. Yeah. Okay, it's currently, just for reference, it is six degrees, which is actually pretty cold. Uh, yeah, well, I'm six disappointed because it feels a lot colder. Yeah. Are you sure it doesn't say minus six? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not just doing a muscle pose, by the way. For Keep some reason... Yeah. Water, feel some warmer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Andrew Huberman, blood flow, wrists. Yes. Yeah. Three, two, All right. one. <laughs> Now we look like Daniel Craig as we <laughs> sexually emerge from the water. Try not to drink from Oh, good man. <laughs> yeah, I feel warm, ridiculously. And, uh, and actually, not too cold. It's not as bad as you think it's going to be, no. In all fairness to Adam, like we were sat shivering for about 45 minutes an hour outside doing the podcast. 
And he had about five layers on. Yeah, Tom lent me his jumper, which, <laughs> and that was on top. I had two coats, so I was probably colder there than I am now, in all honesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shaking like leaf, look ridiculous. It was good, man. It was, it was, it was dreading it, but. Yeah, it was. You did well. Yeah, the whole drive down, I'm like, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> Normally, I'm worried about, you know, falling on my head, but this is probably, I was thinking this was possibly more likely to kill me, but mm -hmm. we survived. <laughs> well, I think, um, got hot, got cold. Yes. Um, I think now it's time to have a bit more of an enjoyable approach yeah, and, that sounds and, nice. and hop back in the sauna. Absolutely, but thanks yeah. for joining us on the first episode of the hot seat. Thank you for having me. It's an honour. Especially the first episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't wait to see more. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there will be. No peace? Peace. Bye for now. <laughs> Do you have an outro? That's my outro. I'll oh, say bye. bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs>